and stay standing because the way we start every AFC here, even in the new year, even in 2018, is with the God's Child Yell. So repeat after me and do it with some enthusiasm. I am, I am God's child. God's child. I, am I am somebody because God. Amen. 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 Y'all may have a seat. That was fantastic. AFC, what's up? I hope everybody is doing good tonight. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Matt Shock. I'm the campus minister here at Aggies for Christ. And welcome back. Welcome back to your spring 2018 semester. We're so thrilled to have you guys here with us in this space. It's been a while since we've been together. Like it has been almost two months since we've shared this space together, since you've been in those seats and since we've been up here. So um, let's do a quick recap of some things that we miss when we don't get to be together um, during that time. So first and foremost, I'm that really bums me out is we never get to celebrate Christmas and New Year's together. Um, You can go to the next slide. We never get to celebrate like one of the most important holidays in all of Christian tradition. Like we don't get to celebrate together. So I hope you guys had a very Merry Christmas. I hope you guys had an awesome New Year. Um, And I hope 2018 is everything that you have been hoping and praying that it would be. Hope your bank accounts survived the Christmas season as well. If it didn't, at least you did. You're here happy and ready to go. Secondly thing that we, we did not get to celebrate together is, man, our basketball team is so good. Like, we are. Y'all, y'all clap for the basketball team, but not for Jesus' birth? Come on. Anyways, our basketball team, we knocked off the number six team in the nation, Miami University. We knocked them off, handled them from start to finish. It was an absolutely ama- it was an amazing game, and we just keep beating people. We just keep destroying people. Like, we're so good. And I'm not going to lie. When Paul Weir left, when he left for the Lobos, I was a little bit concerned, but the Lobos are trash, man. Like, they are so... <laughs> They are so bad. Like, they're ranked. I just scroll so far down to find out what they're ranked right now. 155 in the nation. And there we are, one of the best uh, seasons in school history. Just outside the top 25, but we might crack that before too long. Man, the basketball team's been doing some amazing things. But then there was the football team. And that, I mean, y'all can clap for the football team. Uh, Now we're scared. Insane. Absolutely incredible. A little backstory for myself. Right as the tickets went on sale, me and some friends, we bought some tickets. We went to the game. In the middle of the game, I get the flu, like the full-blown flu. Like I'm sick. I'm shivering. Um, I, 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 can't, I can't warm up. I'm, I'm ready to leave the game. I'm pulling it up on my phone so I can watch it in the truck. And like minute by minute, the game gets closer and better, and I keep toughing it out. And um, man, by that overtime, you couldn't have told me I was sick. You could not have told me I was sick. And then, uh, and then Larry Rose, the third announcer, is yelling uh, um, not to get on the field. And here comes a campus minister with security guards on my left and cops on my right. And I'm hopping that fence to go celebrate with the guys. I mean, it was an absolutely, like guys, I've been here for eight years. I've been in Las Cruces for eight years. We don't go to bowl games, let alone win them. And so it has been amazing to see the rebirth of this program. So um, I've preached four sermons in the past three weeks, and in every single one of them, I've made reference to the football team. So I'm just like, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of those guys, and I'm proud overall to be an Aggie. Like, I'm more in love with this university than I've ever been. And it's not just because we're doing great things athletically. It's really not. Like, my job as a campus minister, my job is to get up here week in and week out and to share the best news that's ever been told, the news of the Christian gospel, the news of Jesus, like the, be- the, th- the one set of news that changes the universe forever. That's my job to share with that university. And so when good things happen for that university, I get thrilled. I don't care if it's a new building that goes up or a, or a new discovery that we have or if the CEO of a Starbucks is from New Mexico State, like whatever it is, like I'm thrilled for our university. So when our university thrives, I feel like, in a sense, I'm thriving. And so there's a lot of different areas in the room that we're really doing well right now. 
But New Mexico State struggles with some things as well. New Mexico State struggles with some things as well. So to the athletes in the room, like, keep grinding. Like, keep getting Ws, keep putting us on the map. That's what we want to see. To the academics in the room, go get your degrees. Go, go get your research done. Get papers published. Like, do big things in the academic field. To the young adults in the room, trying to carve out that niche for yourself in this, in this job market, in this country, in this season of life that you're in. Like, keep doing your thing and find your place in the world. But to everybody in the room, as a group of people that, were, that are just trying to find find God and get to learn and know about him more, we have some work to do. We have some work to do. Now, I don't say that like in this daunting, like, like man, this is going to be a bummer. This is going to be a struggle. Like, I do not want that to be the vision, this pursuit of God. That is not the vision of what we're going after here at AFC. This selling out for the gospel, this selling out for who Jesus is, this should not feel like something that ruins our lives or something that turns us into this, these law-abiding, rule-following, boring people. Like, that's not the vision of the gospel at all. The vision of um, Aggies for Crisis and lives, the absolute best versions of our lives, comes from knowing God the absolute best that we can. The best version of our lives comes from knowing God the absolute best that we can. That's just, that's just a statement. I'm going I'm to preach that until I'm, I'm in my... You're like, yeah, well, you get paid to say stuff like that. You should absolutely want that. Like, like no... I fully believe that everything that is, that is good in this world, everything that is good in my life is directly from who God is. Like, like my marriage, like my, my marriage is so good, and like I directly attribute that to God. The friendships that I have, the things that are happening in this ministry, like I know that this is the Lord working in and through this space. And whether I get paid for this the rest of my life or not, like this is going to be my story. That's the character that I want to play in, the, in this grand cosmic story of life. Like that's the character I want to play for the rest of my life. And I believe that the success that we have in 2018 as a ministry and as individuals will directly correlate from our desire to know God better. I honestly believe that the success of our lives individually and of this ministry will directly correlate on as to whether or not we are trying to know God better day in and day out. I believe this next statement to be true. The chief end of man, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The whole purpose of life, the whole purpose of man is to, enjoy, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so if that's, if that's what life is all about, if, if that's what we're striving after, if that's what this whole cosmic story is all about, then we have got to get to learn who this God of the universe is. We have got to try to understand him better, not just the ideas about him that we like, not just the Christian t-shirts, not just the bumper stickers, but like the character and the attributes of God. We have got to study who he is. And so that's our vision for 2018. Every sermon that is preached, every song that is sung, every small group that is led, the vision is that we will be living in, in, this, in God's story, but knowing our role as well. God's story, but your role. That's the sermon title tonight because God is doing something massive and, and, and cosmic and bigger than we could ever imagine. But he has these specific roles for us as well. And so for the vision of 2018, it's that we would find where we practically fit into that story. If you've ever read a biography, an autobiography in elementary school, you know we had, to get the, we had to get those short readers and we had to read them and we had to write book reports on those people. Like that's kind of what we're going to do this semester. We're going to take this book and we're going we're gonna to tear it to pieces and we're going to read it and we're going we're gonna to dive into it and we're going to read a lot of it and we're going to try to understand who this God of the universe is. We're going to try to understand his character and his attributes and why getting to know him should lead us to wanting to worship him more. So that group, every retreat, every single thing we do this semester 
It's going to be trying to understand like, who we are in God's story and the role that he has for us. And so that's what we're going to get started with tonight. And if that's the vision that we have, keep that in your hearts and your minds and pray with me and for me and for the sermon tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you, God. I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for this room full of college students and young adults, God. Um, so thankful for them that in, 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 on a university and on a campus and in a world that tells them that this might be useless or this might be pointless or that um, God is an outdated concept. They're still holding tight to the truth that you are who you say you are. And so, God, I pray for us this semester. We try to keep this vision of you, this pure vision of who you are in this world and how you want to use us, God. So I pray that you show these individuals in this room purpose and passion for their lives that comes from following you. Lord, we're thankful most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross. And everybody said, amen. All right, y'all know, uh, y'all know about the question game, right? Like those of you who are in dating relationships or maybe you're married or about to get married, you guys know about the question game, right? The question game, for those of you who don't know, is a game usually played over texting or Snapchat where you're trying to get to know the person where you're, um, that you're, you're romantically interested in. Um, some of y'all who need Jesus a little bit more than others might have played this game on Tinder. If, uh, if, if that's you, go ahead and delete that app right now, and we'll move forward with the, we'll move forward with the, with the evening. But question game, right? We all play this game. We all play this game where we're like romantically involved with somebody, and you're just like, you want to know everything about them. So you're texting them day and night, Snapchat day and night, just trying to learn more information about this individual. I'd be lying if I said that wasn't mine in my wife's story. It absolutely is. Um, the only thing is, is, is one of us played that game a little harder than the other. Like, I've told you all about my wife before. I had to chase that woman. I had to chase her so incredibly hard. And so, um, so I would play this game, and I would try to get to know everything about Tessa that I could possibly know. I would ask really, like, cute questions, like, 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 what's your favorite color? That's kind of basic. Um, like, beach, mountains, or city? Like, what, which one do you like? You know what I mean? Like, I would ask all these, um, like, what's your perfect date night? You know, just trying to piece together, like, who this girl was. And so, um, true story. Asked her a question one day. I said, what is your favorite color? With the hard eye emoji, with the winky emoji, with, like, eight question marks. And um, Tessa, since, since we started dating, she's had her red receipts on the whole time, so I can always see when she's read a text. Two hours go by as she's thinking about what her favorite color is, apparently. And uh, finally, the little bubbles pop up, and I know she's texting back, and it says, blue, period. No emojis, no nothing. I was like, man, like, this, this girl is rough. This girl is rough. And so, like, as, as I was, like, pursuing her a little bit longer, weeks go by, and I was like, man, I don't think she knows me as good as I know her, so I'm going to test her. And so I'm going to test her. And if this doesn't go well, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to reevaluate things if this test doesn't go well. So I text her, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask you questions about me now to see if you're really, if you're really learning um, anything about me at all. And I said, I asked her one that I thought was going to be hard for her. I said, what's my middle name? I knew we hadn't talked about that much, but we talked about it. I said, what's my middle name? And again, the red receipts come on, and five minutes pass, whatever, and the little, the little bubbles pop up, and then she types back, A-L-L-E-N, Allen. That's absolutely right. That is my middle name. She spelled it completely wrong, but like she was in the right ballpark, and I, and I took that as a W. I said, if this woman gets in the vicinity of the name Allen, I'm going to count it. Like, she could have called it Alfred or Albert or aluminum, I didn't care. If it started with AL, like that was going to count for me. And so like, um, and so, like I, I knew I wanted to know her. I wanted to be known by her. Like that was the, that was the idea. 
When you like somebody, when you love somebody, you are desperate to get to know them on a really deep level. Okay, time for the Christian super convicting question, right? Do we try to get to know God with the same level of intensity? Do we try to get to know the God of the universe with the same level of intensity? Do we try to pursue God in the same way we pursue our romantic relationships? And like, don't think this doesn't convict me either. Like, it really does. If I would have pursued the Lord in the same way that I pursued Tessa, I would be a much better pastor, a much better minister, a much better just follower of Jesus. And I'm working on it. I promise you I'm working on it. But I would be much better off in my walk with the Lord if I would have pursued him in the same way that I pursued her. And that is what we're going to work on this semester as a ministry as well. We're going to get to know the character of God and his attributes, and we're going to do it through a character study. We're going to look at God like this character in this grand cosmic story, and we're going to study different attributes about who he is, and we're going to do it through, like I said, character studies. Character studies help readers better understand stories, and writers better understand their own characters. This is exactly what we're going to do. To better understand God and to better understand the role that we have in this world, we are going to have to get to know who he is specifically. And so over the next semester, myself and other speakers, we're going to be coming up here with different attributes about God. And so here's where I feel like I need to pull people back in. The attribute that we're talking about tonight, the topic of the whole giant sermon tonight, is goodness. This is the goodness of God. Like we sing these songs. Patrick just sang one. Like we sing, good, good father. And like we say that, and I think we believe that. Like what does God being good actually mean? What does, what does us trying to be good actually mean? When we think about the word goodness there's, or, or good, the first image that comes up in, to us in our mind is that kid from high school that never did anything wrong, right? The kid on your team or your club or your group of friends that um, he didn't go out, they didn't drink, they didn't, they didn't date, they didn't sleep around, whatever. Like they were the goody, the goody two-shoes, right? That's the, that's the nerdy name we would apply for them. The goody two-shoes, the straight-laced individuals. They were good, now, that's a fine definition for, like, general purposes, but as far as the Bible goes, as far as Scripture goes, like, that's a really horrible definition as to what good is. It's a really horrible definition. It's just not enough. When we really read the Bible, when we really study, like, the character of God, goodness is not avoiding bad. It is actively pursuing good. Sounds confusing. Just read it slower. Goodness is not avoiding bad. It is actively pursuing good. And, uh, Look, it, it, it's, like, it's like our bad behavior is not what makes us good or not. Like, that, that is not the justification. When somebody is actively seeking out opportunities to be good, that's what makes them good. That's what makes the character of God good. That's what he wants from us, and that's what we see in Scripture. And to show you that, I want to read one of the most, one of the most common, most, most read, most taught on Scriptures in all of the Bible. It's one that you've heard before if you've been in the church at any length of time. Even if you're not a Christian, you're not sure about who this Jesus guy is, I know you've heard this story before. But tonight, I want to explain goodness from just a little bit different of an angle. And so tonight, we're going to read the story of the Good Samaritan, okay? And I know you know this story, but again, we're going to look at it from a different angle when it's all said and done. So here it is, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, to put Jesus to the test, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. 
But the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he saw him, and he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on him oil and wine. Then he sat him on his own animal, so let him drive his car, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, which I bet was a lot of money, and gave, him, and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And their lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. So we've heard this story a million times, right? And, and we're going to do character studies on these stories, right? And so what are some of the characters? Jerusalem to Jericho, so he's a Jew. He's a Jew. Secondly, we see a priest, or, or then there's the robbers, right? The robbers that beat him up, so that can be a character too. Then we see a priest, somebody who like naturally you think should be inclined to help somebody, right? Meh, other side of the road. Priest walks right by him. Then there's a Levite, so there's, this, there's a guy with some stature, some guy with some clout to his name, right? And he sees the situation, and he, and he, and he walks on by as well. And then there's a Samaritan. Now, if you don't know much about biblical history, a Samaritan and a Jew, they did not like each other. So even the fact that Jesus is telling this story, it's kind of spicy, to be honest, like that Jesus would make a Samaritan the, the, the main character of the story. But it's the Samaritan who stops and helps the man and takes him to the innkeeper and makes sure that he's taken care of, Right? Okay, so that's the character. That's the stories that we've always heard. But like, if we're looking at this passage, there's, there's, there's a little bit more going on here. And there's two more characters that we've yet to talk about. First of all, it's the guy telling the stories, Jesus. Anytime we're doing a character study in the Bible, it's good to pick out where Jesus lands in all this. But secondly, there's the lawyer. There's a lawyer who's asking Jesus all these questions. So here's the different angle. There's a lot of education and a lot of money. And he's trying to trip up Jesus. He's trying to understand like, who this God of the universe is. Is Jesus the Son of God? Is he worthy to be followed? He's trying to trip him up. He's trying to figure out this whole eternal life, heaven, like following the Lord argument. And so he gets the teacher right in front of him. He gets Jesus right in front of him. He says, like, well, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? And instead of laying out like this, this set of doctrine and, and theology and this idea of like what prayers you have to pray and you got to be baptized and you got to do all these things, that's not what Jesus answers with him with. He answers him with this story about being good, about actively seeking out an opportunity to be good and showing mercy. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. Like, even as a pastor, I think about, like, if somebody were to walk up to me and says, like, Matt, like, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? Like, I'm not going to start telling this story. That's just not something I would do. Here is Jesus with this opportunity to say, say this prayer, um, do, do this baptism, do these, do these five steps, and then you'll be with me. That's not what he does. That's not how he promotes getting close to the Lord. He doesn't even talk about changing behavior. Look, personally, something y'all need to know about me is, like, I, I care deeply about y'all. 
And like as a pastor, I feel like I'm a much better listener than I am a preacher. And so I get to hear a lot of your stories week in and week out. And I hear some of these stories come through my door, some of these stories like, like girls who want to, uh, who, who want to marry and, and date godly men, or some of these guys who want to be leaders amongst their group of friends, leaders amongst the community, leaders amongst this ministry, and they want to find their place in this world. And then I make this really horrible campus minister mistake, and I sit in the student section at football games. <laughs> some of the outfits that, that the girls wear, like, they wanted to fit y'all when you were 10, let alone now. And some of the guys, like, f- so fired up on Wednesday about who the Lord is, and the only thing we're fired up. And, like, this kind of stuff, like, it hurts me a little bit. Like, to be honest, it hurts me a little bit because I care so deeply about you guys. Like, I care so deeply about what we're doing with our lives, and I want the best, the absolute best things for you. But, like, that's not even where Jesus takes this story. He doesn't even take it to behavior. He takes it to, 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 to this man and says, like, be an agent of good. Like, actively seek out good in the world. Actively seek out opportunities to be good. And then you will be closer to God. I started thinking, I was like, man, like, like that's the mission for AFC right there. Like, not that we would be the ministry that's the most right. Like, I don't want to be the most right. I don't want to prove people wrong week in and week out. I don't want to walk up to people on campus and tell them why their beliefs are wrong. I don't want to be the ministry that just shapes people's behavior so everybody falls in line and we're like, we're like drones just walking through this life. Like, I don't want to do that either. Like, the vision for Jesus followers is that we would be people that actively seek out good. We actively try to be the light in the world. There's a verse in John at the very beginning of the Gospel of John that says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. One version of the Bible says that the darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness cannot comprehend it. So we circle back to this lawyer, right, who's trying to comprehend God. He's trying to comprehend these things that Jesus is saying, these things that Jesus is trying to do in the world. And what does Jesus say? It's not doctrine. It's not steps of salvation. It's him saying, go and be the good in the world. Go and be the good in the world. Go show mercy to people, and then you'll know God. Let me tell you, if that's the dream for this ministry, I'm not lying to you. This is, this is a total bait and switch. I absolutely believe with my heart of heart, in my heart of hearts, that if we were a group of people that just sought to be good, that they change people's lives around us, the more good you do and the more light that you try to be, it becomes harder and harder to comprehend darkness. It becomes harder and harder to do bad, quote-unquote, us in the room that are trying to understand God and those of us who aren't sure about Jesus. It's like, it's like, go actively try to be good. Everybody can agree with that. And I believe that the closer we get to God, the closer we get to being good to people, the closer we're going to get to God, and then all those other things are going to, all those other things are going to work themselves out. All those other things are going to work themselves out. That previous definition of, uh, of good that I said that we think about when, when, when somebody says, like, well, is that person good? Is he a good guy? Usually it's always behavior-related, right? It's always behavior-related. And that was the story of Tim Tebow when he was in the NFL, right? I remember with Tebow mania when he just took over, when he just took over the sports world. Tebow was the guy who, who didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't cuss, he was a great role model. Like, people were just like, oh, he's good, he's a good guy. And he was different, and he got a lot of popularity for that. 
But remember, like according to Scripture, like that's not, that is not the idea of goodness that God is trying to project on the world. Not just avoiding bad, but actively seeking out and trying to be good. And so what Tim Tebow is up to now, even though his football career is over, is he is actively trying to find good things to do in the world. He's actively pursuing good. Like, this is what makes this guy a good guy, somebody that's worthy um, to be looked up to. And so right now, I want to show you guys a video of what I think is the epitome of goodness. And and I want you to watch this video. And during this video, Tim Tebow is going to talk to us as a team. He's going to talk to us as a team. And I'm going to let you guys know after, after the video is over just how we can join in with this mission. So let's watch this short video. I think it's the epitome of good. Night to shine team, what's up guys? This is the team. Honestly, four years ago when my executive director came to me and he said, hey, we heard about this prom that this church has for people with special needs. What would you think about doing one? And I just fell in love with it and I said, let's do it. And he said, where? And I said, let's do it everywhere. So that first year we freaked out, we rallied at the last second and we got 44 churches to be part of it. I thought, this is so amazing. Like this is as big as it could possibly get. But then we realized that we serve a really big God and he started to open up doors and the next year we had 201 churches and we continued to grow and grow and this year, guys, over 500 churches from over 16 countries, 175,000 volunteers are rallying together to celebrate over 90,000 kings and queens of the prom. And honestly, it's because of you. It's because you're willing to say, yes, I want to be part of that team. I want to give. I want to care. I want to love those kids. I want to celebrate with them. I want to dance with them. I want to let them have the night of their life. And honestly, it's not just the night of their life where they get to dance and they get to have fun and they get to ride limos, they get to walk down red carpets. It's so much more than life because maybe for the first time, they realize that they're worth it. They realize that they're special. They realize that they're loved. There's not much more important than that. And honestly, we couldn't do it without you. Without you saying, yes, I'm gonna be part of it. I'm gonna love those kids. I'm gonna make them feel special. And at the end of the night, when they're crowned king or queen of the prom, hopefully they leave realizing that the God of this universe loves them so much and has a special, unique plan and purpose for their life. And we get to show that with how much we love them. Guys, thank you so much for being part of A Night to Shine. It's my favorite night of the year, and it's a night that's going to change so many lives. God bless you. That right there, that is what active goodness looks like. That is what seeking out good and seeking to be the change in the world, that's what it looks like gets crowned king and queen of the prom. Like, it is an amazing, an amazing ministry. And, um, and I really think if we're going to put our action where our, where our mouths are, if this ministry is really going to be an agent of change, like, we should be a part of nights exactly like this. So in two and a half weeks in Carlsbad, New Mexico, there's a church that's putting on a night of hope. And I want AFC to be a part of it. Now, they told me that they have, um, they have monetary needs also. Like, as, like, clearly, everybody needs more money for more ministry stuff. But I told them that's not exactly where we could help. However, for those of you who are, who are younger in the college years, I know you're fresh out of prom season and fresh out of homecoming season. So I know there's some outlandishly flamboyant dresses in some of those closets back home, right? 
Some of you had to buy the tuxedos, right? For those of you a little older in college, everybody's getting married right now. I know there's that one groom that made all the groomsmen buy their tuxes and it doesn't fit exactly right. <laughs> this is our opportunity to be an agent of good. This is our opportunity to help change lives and change the world around us. And so what's going to happen is for the next week and a half here at the church, in that building over there where the offices are, we're going to be taking donations, lightly used dress clothes, ties, tuxes, dresses, prom dresses, bridesmaids dresses, whatever it is. We're going to be accepting these donations so that we can make, the, make sure that all of these kings and queens of the prom are dressed to the nines on this special night for them that they're dressed to the nines. It's going to be an extremely special event. We're going to be advertising it on our Facebook. We're going to take pictures of us dropping off the, um, dropping off the box of, of goods and whatnot. And I'm sure we'll post pictures. Um, the church will share pictures with us from the event. This is what goodness looks like. This is what changing the world looks like. It's not just avoiding bad behavior. It's being uh, actively change the world. This will make you feel good. This is the type of stuff that everybody can agree on. But let me go back to Pastor Matt's stage for a little bit. This will make you feel good, but there's no feeling like knowing, loving, and enjoying the God of the universe. There's no feeling like that. I want every single person in this room to understand the gospel of who Jesus is. I hope, I hope at one point in this semester that cross means something to you like it's never meant something to you in your life. I hope you know that Jesus died on that cross for your sins. I hope you know that we needed a Savior and that you needed, um, you needed somebody to stand in your place to get you to, to, to heaven. I hope you know that. I hope you feel that. I hope you feel that magnitude, that, that eternal weight of glory. Like, I hope you feel that. But what I'm also aware of is not everybody in the room is in that place tonight. Not everybody in this room is sure about who Jesus is. And man, that's okay. That's okay. One thing that we can all agree on, which every different people group in the world can agree on, is we can most, like most of us can agree on goodness. Most of us can agree on being an uh, like, uh, agent of good in the world. And that's what we're gonna be. So some of you tonight, praise team, you guys can start coming back up here. Some of you tonight, you're going to be um, with the arms crossed still, not sure about this Jesus guy, not sure about the gospel, not sure about whether or not he died for your sins, not sure about the songs that we sing and the things that we do. I get that. I want 100%, I get that. But all of us can agree on what goodness looks like. All of us can agree that a night of hope is a good thing. And, and, and so maybe tonight all you're ready for is a donation, and that's okay. But for those of you who are ready for something more, for, some, for those of you who need somebody to pray with, for, somebody, for some of you who are, who are finally ready to take that step into water baptism, some of you who are finally ready to come to the back of the room and pray with an intern or pray with myself or pray with my wife, like we are ready to be that for you this semester. We're ready to see heart change. Well, some of you aren't there yet. So if you're not there yet, drop a tie off. Make a donation. Be an agent of good in the world. The church was put here in this grand cosmic story of everything that God is doing. He was put here to be a light. And I hope before the semester is over that that cross means something to you, that who God is means something to you. But in the meantime, we can all agree on just actively pursuing good. And it all starts with understanding the character of God. It all starts with understanding his goodness. He is good so that we can try our best to do good as well. It's a great honor to be in this fight with you this semester. I can't wait to see the things that this ministry does and the things that happens through your personal ministries this year as well. Will you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, I love you, God. I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for your goodness. I'm thankful that you're a good father, that first and foremost, the most good thing that you did was die on the cross, that sacrifice that you made, the simple and pure gospel. So I pray, God, for every single person in this room who does not know you yet, that does not know what you did for them yet. God, I pray that they will, they will feel your presence. They will feel the magnitude of the gift that you gave them on the cross. But Lord, in the meantime, in the meantime, God, I pray that this ministry in this place will be an agent for good in this world, that, that, that goodness would flow from the doors of this place, that, that that campus could not deny that something good is happening at Aggies for Christ. And I pray that through that light and through that goodness, we will get closer to you and that the darkness will not overcome it. And Lord, we ask for all this in your son's most precious name, I pray. Amen.